Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Hey, welcome everyone to Miracles in Recovery. Well, that music cut off kind of quick. Um, I am in the studio by myself tonight. This is a first in a long time. I have Ellen on the line. Hi, Ellen. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. And I'm sorry I'm not in the studio, but I am in the process of moving from one home to another, and it is not fun. It's brutal. It's brutal. You know, it it's funny. We've brutal. been talking. We've been talking over the past couple of weeks about how's it going. How's it going? And now it's a reality. I guess you know it, that's like that's like with life. Everything you know, everything is anticipatory. I was sitting here a half hour ago in the studio by myself, saying, "Oh man, oh man," and I heard the music, and everything just went silent in my belly, silent in my mind, and we are on the air for an hour. I'm sitting in the studio, and I'm looking out the window. I'm looking out at a beautiful lake in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and we're going to speaking a little, speak, be speaking a little bit about addiction, a little bit about recovery. Um, please, by all means, give us a call, 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We are heard, of course, if you are listening now, we are heard on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Uh, you can listen to us there or... I made it a little bit easier. You can go to our website, which is www.miraclesinrecovery.org. Click on the microphone, and you will be hearing us speak live. Um, that's just just another way to be able to listen to us. Tonight, I think I want to talk a little bit about um, two subjects. Act actually, one is the you know is this recently uproarious Narcan debate, and another one is about the uh, maybe the pros and cons of safe injection sites. That's another one that that garners a little bit of um, difference of opinion. Um, my opinion, I'll share as we speak about it, and um, you know, hopefully you'll call in and share yours as well. You know, empower yourself to reach out and call. This is how we get things done. This is how we save people that are out there sick and suffering. We share our experience, strength, and hope. And to everyone who is listening and is clean, gotten by and gotten through the turmoils of the uncomfortability of the first few days of not using and the unsurety of what is to come and all of that stuff. Every addict that's that has any any length of clean time, thirty days or more, even even with thirty days, you have a little bit of uh, a little bit of hope. Uh, the day before you stopped using, you had no hope. And for me, um, you know, I think I think what I'll do is I'll segue right into the uh, the Narcan, um piece of my conversation here you know there was a time when i was out there and i needed narcan uh, narcan was administered to me i wouldn't be here speaking i wouldn't be here sharing my experience strength and hope if one it wasn't available and two the paramedics that brought me to the hospital while i was overdosing didn't use it um Back then, that was 28 years ago, so it really wasn't that huge of an in-your-face debate because we didn't have social media. And, you know, I, I, I see on social media that the, the big, huge um, 
displeasure with this with this sheriff out in in Ohio about his uh, not an I, I've never used it my my sheriffs will never use it um, people immediately wanting to you know disparage him and he doesn't know any different right Ellen like what I was saying like earlier before he doesn't know any different he knows what he sees he doesn't know anything about addiction he probably yeah, he, doesn't have he any sees- he sees the sick and suffering person, but the, what the disease does to people is it, it turns them into, you know, somebody that maybe you don't want to know anymore. You know, somebody who's stealing, somebody who's lying, somebody who is selfish and self-centered. But what they don't see is that behind that disease, underneath that sickness, is a person. This is somebody's child, somebody's husband, somebody's, you know, wife, mother, anything and until you see the person beyond the disease you're going to you know you're going to categorize them with you know anybody else who's a criminal these are not people who are intentionally going out and committing terrible acts just because they're doing it because they are so desperately sick well right you know i think that realize that you know that it's the sickness and they you know they always in, in as a parent of addicts what they tell us is you know, love the person, don't love the disease. But people don't see it as a disease. People see it as a moral failing. People see it as poor choices. And it is none of those things. It it very quickly gets beyond poor choices. Right. And I think the social media debate, even even on the pro side, keeps it in a moral conversation because... People who are on the pro side are immediately ready to bash the people on the con side. And, you know, Narcan is the savior of, I don't want to say of our youth, because, I mean, there are people of, of many ages that need it, but Narcan is, right. is, is a savior. It's, you know, it's not something like, yes, it prolongs an addict to, um, to be able to use again, but, but what's the alternative? Death. Okay, so they can never use again. You know, you're going to lose that person. Whereas maybe this time administering Narcan is going to be the last time that it has to be done. Maybe this time, you know, they're they're going to, you know, make that decision to change their lives. And you know, making that decision is certainly not easy. But would you, you know, take an alcoholic who's in alcohol poisoning and say, well, no, we're not going to pump their stomach because. They might just go out and get drunk again and drive a car and kill somebody. Would you do that? No. Absolutely not. Would you take the diabetic who's in, you know, ketoacidosis and not give them medication that they need because they cause this themselves by eating too much? No. no, right, exactly. No, they 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 ate a cake yesterday and it, and they, and they got into diabetic shock and then they ate a cake again today. So now we're not going to offer our services. I mean, granted, monetarily, it probably costs a little bit more for the average response team. And, and when I say response team, like first responder to carry Narcan, and and it's probably more of an awareness now that they're using it because of the drugs that are out on the street, this fentanyl and carfentanyl and everything like that, that's killing, killing that's our communities. So yeah, it's killing our communities. We absolutely need that substance to fight it. I can understand an individual saying you know, not on my watch. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do this. Given the opportunity or given the need to administer it to a family member or a loved one, they would turn around immediately and say, why isn't it here yet? 
That's just like like when I was when I was on the fire department before I retired. Um, nobody, people wanted to bash us for being out in the backyard shooting shooting hoop shooting hoop shooting hoop. So whatever we were doing, waiting to respond. When we responded, when that bell came on and our in our three minute response time was there, about a minute and a half into their phone call, they were like, "They're not here yet." Well, you you were very readily, easily bashing us 20 minutes ago until life took a tragic turn for you. So sadly and hopefully, this gentleman doesn't have to experience it on a personal level. But the reality of the situation is he or someone he knows in his community is going to drastically need it. And his decision not to use it isn't not going to save that individual's life because other people in the community are carrying it. But I think response time would make that much of a drastic difference. And what do you think what do you think will happen if someone in the city that he's city or county or whatever he is, I haven't done much reading up on him. Um, I believe it's a county. Okay, but Butler what county if somebody right, somebody in that in that community dies? And Narcan could have been used. That county is in for a, a a world of no good, you know, bad press. And this gentleman probably won't even have his job. I don't even know if he'll have his job after making a statement like that. But anyway, that's not he, well, he neither he here nor there. That's made what, a no. statement on national TV, and and he they interviewed him for about ten minutes, and he is adamant that you know other people are dying because they're having to respond to all these overdoses and. It's not fair, and so, you know, if you're overdosing, you know, don't expect us to break our necks to get there. We're, we're going to help somebody else first. And he, he says at all addicts are doomed, as have other sheriffs, including the one in the county where I live, Martin County. Um, well, you know, the thing about, well, the thing about it is. are doomed anyway. The, the thing about it is. It's just is a waste that... of taxpayer money. Yeah, well, I mean, he he's not the one that sets the tax rules, and he's not the one that makes that decision. But anyway, you know, I I I I would love to be able to just bash the gentleman. I don't know him. I don't know his stance. I've never even seen him. I've only seen posts about uh, what he has said. Um, but paramedics and firefighters routinely carry the easy admit to the easy to administer medication so i am sure that his counterparts within the safety community in the county don't have the same stance but they're not going to well, come there out was, there was also i believe a councilman in that county who had because their budget for narcan was very low and they're already like 2 million dollars in because they weren't expecting this, um, right? So they're they're just saying they're not going to buy it. Period. They're just not going to have it. Well, I mean, I guess if I guess if you use if you use that approach, then then what can you do? But there's also the way that you know the individual groups, you know, these nonprofit groups, qualifying groups. I'm going to I'm going to read something here. Availability of Narcan nasal spray. Qualifying group purchases may. Source Narcan nasal spray, the four point, the four milligram, directly from the wholesaler and distributors. To place a pre-order immediately, or for assistance in sourcing Narcan nasal spray, spray, please contact Adapt Pharma's dedicated customer service team at eight four 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 Narcan. That's 844-462-7226 or email service 
at adaptpharma.com. So that means that even the the drug awareness groups can carry it with them. You don't necessarily need to rely on a sheriff's department or a sheriff's office or negative response to a situation. Don't sit and, and leave the livelihood or, or the life, the possible death to somebody else who's going to make that decision. If you can carry it, if I could put it in my pocket, if I had access to it, I would carry it all the time just for that fact. Because one, it was administ- administered to me. And two, it's in my, in my view, something that is needed with the drugs that are on the street today. Yes, people are making bad decisions. And yes, people people are dying and people are stealing and people are going in through your back window and stealing your TV so you automatically say, well, that drug addict should die. No, that's not the case. And, you know, for me, Narcan is a vital piece of this. I don't even want to say war on drugs because the war on drugs has failed. But this is, a, this is a... This is a vital piece of the puzzle that we're all trying to put together. And if one individual or, or an individual that's in charge of a group of individuals says, no, we're not going to assist, then there are other ways around it. And don't focus on the negative, focus on the positive. Sadly, the positive in this case is Narcan, which is a life-saving drug. The whole, the whole thing is a sad situation. But Narcan is, is, is a savior, and it'll save your child, it'll save your loved one. And, you know, actually everyone does have an oath. You know, first responders have an oath, like a doctor. It's not a hypocritical or hippocratical oath, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, we have to do our due diligence to save the individual, do what we can with what we have on the scene to be able to assist an individual well, and in, I honestly cannot imagine a first responder going to a call and going, nah, not going to help them. I just don't think that would happen. And, and you, know, you were a first responder. You don't think that way. You kind of, don't you go into some kind of a, you know, professional mode and just start doing what you have to do? Sadly, um, no. No? <laughs> I, I, I have experienced... Both. I've experienced people who are right up in there and what do we need to do? How do we get this person back up off the floor and to a to a state of, of uh, recovery at that point? Not recovery like addiction recovery, but a but, uh, state of arrest. And um, then I've been in situations where they don't care. And I yeah, and I don't necessarily one human but, being to another. Well, yeah, but it's the it, it's the moral it's the moral thing. It depends on who you deal with, and so when when you know that you're in that situation, make sure that you come prepared. You you personally come prepared. I would love to carry Narcan in my car. I don't know if it's legal to carry in in the state of Florida, but I I don't would, know either. But I know there are groups in the state of Florida that will just go to a park and hand it out. Oh know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think at that point I think I think uh, law enforcement looks the other way. I think they let them know and they just I don't think that even even this gentleman, I don't think that he would um, raid 
a group handing out Narcan. I think he understands what Narcan's for. He just doesn't believe in it. And it's only because, you know, the individual that they they save on Monday who overdoses on Monday, they're administering it on Wednesday and then on Friday and then on Saturday. So I understand oh, the... You know, three times in the same day. You know, and I've, I've heard stories of first responders who are getting burned out, um, particularly in Palm Beach County here in Florida because it's a big rehab mm-hmm. hub. And a lot of people come to Palm Beach County for rehab, and then they relapse. And so they're having a lot of problems, a lot of problems with overdoses. It's, you know, they have a huge, a huge number, and, and it's much bigger than it was even last year and the year before. So the first responders are getting burned out. And one of the, they have been pretty proactive down there in trying to do a whole lot of different things to, to kind of work to, to well, you're not going to solve the problem, but to maybe make the problem less so. And one of the things they're doing is they're, I think all the first responders there have to have some kind of counseling all the time because of what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. And and they do say, you know, I was just with this person, you know, like two hours ago, and here they've gone out and done it again. And I think if you're not an addict or if you're not familiar with the way that addicts act, you're like, what in the world? Why would somebody who almost died... And we say, go out and do this again. Right. And I because think that's, be- where, that's where people don't get it. It's a disease. And it's understandable that they don't get it. You know, when you, when you put it in that context, somebody who doesn't have an understanding of uh, drug addiction or what motivates the addict, it's understandable where a, you know, for lack of a better word, quote unquote, common citizen would say, why is Johnny doing that again why is you know why is sally out there still how could they possibly do that these people have worked so hard to save their lives and i used to be one of those people too yeah i was very judgmental i just and now that i understand it better i feel bad about that but you know if if you're not exposed to it and you don't understand you know you don't know somebody or you're not somebody who has has this problem it's very difficult to understand and i think that's where education is so important Yes, and and I'm sure I'm sure it is. You know, um, very. Phone lines are open. Dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. That's eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. Don't just listen to Ellen and I speak about this. Let your voice be heard. Make a difference. Let us know what you think. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. 
Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. You probably don't spend too much time talking about that place down there. Why not? There's now a show where that's mostly what we talk about and so much more. It's the Womb Happy Hour with host Lorraine Giordano. It's all about your body and the magical power you possess. Guys, you might want to tune in too. There's no reason to be squeamish. Listen for the Womb Happy Hour, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, welcome back to Miracles in Recovery. Please visit our Twitter at 855-STOP-USING. That's at 855-STOP-USING or our Facebook page, Miracles in Recovery. It's Miracles in Recovery. Also, send me an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org and let me know what topics you'd like to hear on upcoming shows, or even if you would like to come on, if you have an organization that you would like to come on, uh, I'll send you an information packet and schedule a time for you to be on so that we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. Like I said before break, phone lines are open. Dial 866-472-5792. Let your voice be heard. Make a difference. You know, empower yourself to reach out and call. You're a phone call away. Stop watching life go by, call in, be part of the recovery, whatever it is that we're trying to bring out there to people uh, that are listening. And while I'm saying about listening, I get these stats from the show once a week, usually on Monday, and it's usually fortunately enough before the show. And we have anywhere from 27 to 36 different countries listening to us live. You know, you think that if you think it's, it's just Ellen and I talking, I'm sitting here talking and it's just with my headphones on because I'm always in the studio and I have Ellen usually sitting in the studio on the other side of the desk and we're having a conversation like we just have had that last uh, segment. We have 27 different countries listening to us. I didn't even know some of them spoke English. You know? I know. I was going to so, say that's so cool that that so many people can hear us all over the world. Wow! It is. It is. Yeah, so if you want, everybody. You, yep. So if you want your voice to be heard internationally, dial eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. And I'm not trying to overwhelm you with, you know, you, you're thinking you're just talking to me. You're talking to the world, and our message is getting out worldwide. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, I think actually, I was I was getting a little bit. Um, 
I, I want to say in my own mind, a little agitated about the about the knock in. What we were talking about about knock in because I because being a recovering addict, I still look at people with a little bit of anger when they don't have an understanding of what it is that I've been through. Um, but that's okay today. I have a, I have a program that I can help myself get through that with. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to switch topics and talk a little bit about safe injection sites. And here goes the boo birds on that one as well. But <laughs> well, we do have controversial topics. Yes. Yes. But you know, the safe, these safe injection sites, again, like with like with mar- um, medicinal marijuana and, and all of that stuff, where we live in a completely different time than we did when I got clean. For the longest time, I had a problem with needle exchange. I had a problem with medical marijuana. I had a problem with other things like that because I thought it was just in my ignorance i'd say even though i was an addict and i walked in their shoes i i thought it was just you know foregoing the inevitable by handing somebody a needle or by you know and now i can look at it and i can say you know disease control so looking at these safe injection sites you know people you know the boo birds will say you know that doesn't help facilitate the end to the means, but actually it does because one, we're looking after the addict who is using. Somebody who goes out there and they get high, they may not make it somewhere and they may end up dead. You know, you, you may not even have to have the knock-in debate with this individual. In a lot of states, I read something at, um, just recently, I think it was in the Boston Herald or the Boston Globe, that 119 of the 122 doctors that are, um, I don't want to say if they're residents or what, at Boston City Hospital voted yes I to. saw that to, article, yes. Yeah. They, and, they are you know, very interested in starting that and, and to have physicians saying that. Is, yeah. And, know, to me, that, that's, a, that's a real, that, that is a, a real way to, to look at, you know, if they believe this is going to be helpful. You know, it stops the spread of diseases like um, like HIV, um, any any of the diseases that you get by sharing needles, which a lot of people do. Uh, it, so, you know, the first thing that anybody's going to think is, oh, you know, here we go, the taxpayer dollar is going to be helping these moral degenerates. But, you know, right. again... Right, it's, but it's, but you know something. If you want to put it, and and but they also a lot of the places are having people who will counsel them and talk to them and and show them that they care. And and from what I understand, that's helpful too. But you know, they they always offer them treatment. Now, it depends a lot, I think, on where you are, because treatment is not free. Treatment is not easy to get into, and a lot of people with a disease of addiction. Or substance use disorder do not have insurance. So, uh, let me let me cut you let me cut you off for a second. The 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 best thing about that is in a quote unquote sterile environment like that, they have the ability to 
assess you right there. Like they're not going to, this isn't one of those places where, you know, Ray walks into a Boston city hospital and says, Hey, how you doing? Do what I have to do. Sit around make sure that I don't die. And I go back out on the street, steal a TV and walk back in and Hey, how you doing? <laughs> there, there has to be some kind of a control point. And I would imagine that if they're allowing you to use the facility, there has to be some kind of conversational tone with it as well. And with that, I'm sure an assessment is done and granted if the individual isn't ready at least when they are they know where to go and and also you cannot every day or several times a day right and you you can't say people right and you can't say you know about insurance and this and that because when you're in a hospital environment or a safe injection site environment the people that are working there have all those tools and have all the knowledge that if an indigent person walks up on the out of the street and says hey i need help and i need it now they'll they they will have the ability to be able to figure out where to get you and how to get you going in that direction this isn't just like you know the the neighborhood um pool hall where you're going to walk into the bathroom get high hang with your friends and leave granted some people may use it like that until ultimately they see that the crowd is changing around them because people are getting clean and getting to become productive members of society but i just i just want to you know express that it's not a bad thing and we the have statistics a statistics on this is you know is very very good and in other countries where they've been doing it for a while i think spain is one and um Iceland, they have had a huge reduction in the number of addicts just because of doing the safe injection sites, the harm reduction. Right. Well, hey, we have statistically proven that this is an effective way to treat this. You know, locking people up, jailing them, shaming them is not working. But this does. No, no, absolutely not. And I just I want to bring in this caller. Her name is Cynthia. And she is from both Florida and Pennsylvania. And I'm sure she probably has a little bit to share about uh, safe injection sites. I don't know. Hi, Cynthia. How are you? Hello. How are you? Fantastic. Great to hear Hi your there. voice. Oh, it's good to hear your voice. I just caught a little bit of your conversation there. And uh, you're talking about the safe site injections. Yes. Places yes. they're putting up. Well, anything, you know, my, my thing on that is as long as they're doing some type of counseling at these places, I think it's great. And that's what's causing them to be less addicts in these other countries like you're talking that are actually seeking recovery uh, mm-hmm. the right way. Um, but without it, it's, um, you know, it's not a good thing. I mean, it's good for as far as the health purposes and things like that. We've had the clean needle exchange out there for years. Yes. Um, yes. You know, the difference is now they actually have a place to go that's a legal shooting gallery unless you're actually <laughs> putting treatment. Like there are counselors there that's saying to them, listen, you know, let's, uh, you want to get help, you want to continue this, you know, and you know as well as I do, there's not an addict or alcoholic out there. That wants to stay in the act of addiction. It's the fear no. of getting clean and the fear of the unknown. You know, nobody wants to live like that. Yeah, no. I mean, I lied to myself for years saying that it was a good thing what I was doing, but it was just the fear of the unknown, like you said. How was how the, um, the reception of safe injection sites in Pennsylvania now? 
I don't think we have that many right now. Don't forget now, I just got done. <laughs> I just got, I battle both sides of this. You know, I battle for my people that have the disease. Mm-hmm. I work with them every single day, and I, and I put up the battles out there with the governments and the small towns in order to get places open just like a, a rehab inside of a hospital. That would make common sense. Right. Yeah, right. You know, and I fight them all the time, and we just, you know, we succeeded up here in Pennsylvania, and we have a beautiful, it's a whole campus. It's, like, so exciting to me because we have a whole campus. We cover a campus up here. It's like a college for education on the disease of addiction, and people are changing up, you know. It's like, but once again, as we know, you have to do it the right way, and that's the only reason I got involved with this whole thing was um, there's a full continuum of care that needs to be met or your success rates will not be that high at all. You know, um, as you know, we we do a lot of scholarship because, you know, a lot of it is because I want to, but a lot of it is because I have no choice but to because they want to say they have X amount of days to do a detox or a residential and then they want to throw them out. Well, I scholarship them through that next 30 days if that's the case because they need it. And then they'll pick them up on a lower level of a PHP, and they might throw them out of there within three weeks, but mm-hmm. I scholarship them the rest of the way that too. Wow, and, that is absolutely wonderful. I'm so glad that there are people like you who are out there doing that because, you, you know, having gone through this for about them. 10 years, you know, it, it was the 28-day cycle, and then, bam, no money, you're out. Well, it used to be 90 days in the beginning, and then that uh, managed care came into play. And I can understand everything changes because there's people out there doing this type of work and facilities for the wrong reasons. And uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly true. There, that's you know, there, there's, a, there's a huge uh, money trail that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. Because treatment I'll is very expensive. Rehab, but I'll be the most blessed one, I can tell you that much. Um, we're pretty proud of what we do, and I feel bad. Right, and you and you should be. And I feel bad for you know the bad rap down in Florida. It's, it's I'm glad they're doing what they're doing. Trust me when I tell you, I'm thrilled that they're doing what they're doing down there. You know, getting in there, you know, getting rid of these people that are taking people's lives, and and you know using them as pawns. Right. To, them back oh, yeah. and forth. I mean, yeah, for sure. I knew nothing about that kind of stuff till I got into this industry. And then I was like, wow, this is insane. I mean, how much, how greed, how much greed can you possibly have that you would take someone's child or mother or uncle or grandfather or whatever it is? Well, as a, a, let me, let me ask you, let me ask you a question. As a facilitator of a, of a, of a program, um, mm-hmm. do, do you see it as, but like flagrant as what the media says it is down here. I mean, because I, I oh living it, living right. in yes. the recovery, living in the yes. recovery community, I don't see it as much as maybe somebody who works in the business. And that's where, that's what I mean. Like working in the business, do you see it more so than, is it reality what they're speaking about? Oh yes. Because you, you don't have any idea. We have our own people that work directly with us only. We call them our business development associates, okay? Okay. And they go out and make relationships with other rehabs or here or there, but those are people that bring in clients to us along with our call center and our alumni and 
everything we do is basically mostly in-house, okay? They don't go work for a whole bunch of people. <laughs> that doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. It's like we do things for the right reasons here, people. So what? when I first started down there, do you know how many people I tried to hire and found out the things that they were doing were like within three days and had to fire them? Wow. Like yeah, I can imagine. Getting, I can certainly yeah, some imagine. Some of them were actually taking people and having them use drugs to be able to get them into another rehab because they were clean. And yeah, it's... Then the, they sent somebody in. I could tell you three occasions I had a young person come in as a client and didn't realize what was going on when I was, you know, in the beginning of all this. And they would take three or four clients off with them. And then we come to find out that they were sent in and they would tell these other clients, you come with me, I can get you high, and we'll go to another place. Plus, you'll get a new pair of sneakers and they'll give us X amount of money. Oh, it's true. And if, oh, and if you refer a friend that's got nice good insurance, well, you know what? We'll give and you even more. the houses and stuff down there, you know, they're nonsense with outpatient detox, please. Okay, I mean, <laughs> this whole, this, I, I just spoke at the Pennsylvania Hearing Committee on the opiate crisis up here. And I'll talk to you about that when I see it because it's a long story. We don't have time. actually we don't actually we don't we have about two minutes till break so if it's going to take three minutes you stop no no, it would take much longer we have to have problems (laughs) (laughs) but I mean I'm just saying if you're if you're not doing things for the right reasons on any level of this I I wish the people would keep the money the governors and stuff would keep the money in the bank account right now and stop feeding my people more poison because that's Mm -hmm. not the answer and they're thinking it is and you can't have two maintenance drugs, guys. Pick one. Okay, because the first one's failed tremendously, and this one's going to, too. And then you have the insurances on top of it, not wanting to let the people have the time that they need to, to heal from this disease. Um, you know, I'm, I don't even want to stay on air how I feel about this okay. whole thing because I, I can't, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> I think well, we, feel, you know, we all like, feel the like, same way. Yeah. You know, and with that, we will be heading to break in 30 seconds anyway. So if you or your, if you or your organization would like to come on Miracles in Recovery, please, by all means, send me an email at ray at miraclesinrecovery.org, and we will schedule you to come on so we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. Even if you want to come on and... and Talk alternatives. We're we're open to hear everything and anything. We like to hear people's um, debate. We like to hear people's opinions, and and that's all we're doing here is we're just trying to share a little bit of our own personal wisdom. I don't know everything by any means at all, so you know, please give us a call eight six six five seven two o eight six six four seven two five seven nine two. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso. 
to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. What does health look like in an ailing world? How do we tend what needs our care? Join Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio hosts each week as we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, welcome back to Miracles in Recovery. Um, like I said at the beginning of the other segment, um, send me an email at ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Let me know what you'd like to hear for a topic. You know, uh, we, we've had two kind of controversial topics, uh, knock-in and site in, uh, safe injection sites for the past two um, segments, but Ellen had said something before the show that Buffalo has an opioid drug court that they're doing very, very well with. I have zero information about it, so what we'll do is we'll let Cindy still on the phone with us, correct? Yes, I am. Okay. Ellen, why don't you share a little bit about this thing that's going on in Buffalo with their um, opioid drug court and how much better it's doing than a regular one? They just started it on May 1st, and they got $300,000 from the Justice Department as a grant with the intent of treating 200 people in a year and hopefully providing a model that everyone else can follow. Now, we all know about drug court, and apparently the drug courts that are um, all over the country now were put together during the crack cocaine crisis you know, yes. in the 80s. Okay, so now we've got something that is much worse. So what they've done is when somebody gets arrested, they don't make them, you know, they they help them through detox, and then they talk to the judge every single day. And this judge has not taken a day off since May the 1st, and he talks to every single person in this program. There are 80 people in it right now. They have had a few that relapsed, but he brings them back in if they want to come back in. So, like, what do you I mean, think, like, he talks to them? He's on the phone with them, or he has well, appointments you know how, with I, them? I, I think it's, um, like, a, a Skype link. Okay. 
Yeah, I know when my daughter was in drug court, she had to go once a week, and if they didn't like, you know, and, and get drug tested, and if they didn't like what they saw, they threw her in jail. Right. And, you know, at first it would just be for the weekend, and then it was for a week, and then it was two weeks, and, you know, on and on and on like that. So it, it was very punitive, and, you know, the judge would ridicule them in court and stuff like that. Now, I don't know if drug courts are like that everywhere, but that's the way this one was. Well, share, share a little bit of how, how they are in uh, Pennsylvania, Cindy. Oh, we have, I can tell you right now, it's Judge Barace would be the judge's name, and he does great with his drug court he has for years. And since this opiate epidemic has, you know, become more talk about <laughs> and people are starting to not put the stigma on it, he actually, what he's been doing is he will, they have to get their charges, you know, if they're caught and stuff, but he'll send them in a call us and send them right to us. And they have to stay with us on the program and we have to report to drug court and every, you know, the, anybody else who's involved on a daily basis. We have client care people that work here. Um, so is that like a, like an outpatient type thing? What they, what no, they, they do with right the, in. no, they'll send them in all of it. The whole thing. If they have to come into detox, he gets them into detox. Unless okay. they, uh, they think they're starting to detox them at the jail and then they'll send them in for the, uh, the residential, then the long-term PHP and then the outpatient, which we have PHP with community housing up here, kind of, first one in Pennsylvania, and it's all right so, on that one campus, like I was telling you about, yeah. So you just said something that scared me. You said they detox them at the jail. Do they have a yeah, medical well, detox at the jail, or do they just let them no, bang off the bars until they're okay? Until they aren't sick anymore. None of these rehabs are really, we have a medical detox, but it's not like a medical detox in a hospital does. It's just a license you have to do it. We have nurses all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days mm -hmm. a week, and a doctor on site. And we don't get paid for those extra things. We just, that's the way we do it. There's a lot of places just have a couple of nurses, and they'll call the docs, you know, just write the script. Once our people come out of detox, they're not on Suboxone. We're totally substance-free place. There's no maintenance. There's not you going to residential and going on Suboxone. I mean, most of the people up here, I see I'm trying to detox from Suboxone and Methadone, which is worse than the heroin detoxes. So our drug court has them come up, and like I said, we have a great client care uh, department that keep in touch with the judges and the judges' assistants, and if there's a you know, probation officer or court dates, we take them to court. Um, well, apparently, and I'm, I'm looking at this article, and it looks like they actually meet in person with this judge every single day. Wow, that, 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 for that's for thirty uh, consecutive days in-person meetings with the judge, and he—that's that, a commitment you know, from him, I guess, right? That's a serious yeah. commitment from him. Very. Mm -hmm. He also has his regular caseload in addition to this. Oh, so you he know, sits and, on the bench as well while he's doing yes, all of this? Yes, but he is committed, and he he wants it to work. And apparently, they're having a lot of success with it. Hmm. You know, they have eight o'clock curfews. You know, they've got to talk to him. They've got to go through. Treatment, which drug court in a lot of places does not make you do. It's, no, they you know, like just know you're, you're yeah. It's very mm -hmm. punitive. It's very expensive um, because you have to, or at least we did, we had to pay, you know, to have the initial assessment done. Then uh -huh. all you did was bring in that you went to an AA or an NA meeting. Bam. Yeah. But there was there a, a there was a charge with that as well, right? Each visit there was a there was a oh, um, yeah. a fee. 
I see. And yeah. you know, these are not people and, that have. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, right, wrong, or indifferent, everything or anything that is put in the addict's path to be able to veer them away from, and I don't mean, I don't want to say coddle them and make, you know, it enables them to be able to stay out there sick and suffering. You know, it really doesn't. I know that when I was in gear and things were put in my way, um, it was it was more of a disruption or a disturbance if... I didn't go along with what was going on. So in other words, I was the disturbance. There were there was positive things put in my path and if I chose not to use them like say drug court. Drug court wasn't around 28 years ago. But if drug court was available, I probably would have failed because of the mindset that I was in. So it absolutely okay. wouldn't have been an, an enabler for me. Um, you know, well, the, safe- the one here has, they claim, a 68% success rate. So I'm going, well, okay, what about It's only been open since what? May, though. You know, it's only been open well, since no, not, May. No, so not okay. this one. Not, no, the one in Buffalo has a much higher success rate. I think. Of course, it's, it's only been open it. since May. I'm talking- it's been open two months. <laughs> Well, but I mean, they haven't had too many that dropped out, and some of the ones that dropped out wanted to get back in. But they shouldn't and be I, talking I about success rates when they're only only less than ninety. No, no, no. I'm talking old. about the success rate of the one here where we live. Oh, and they are oh saying, okay. You know, and it's been around for you know, fifteen years or so, and they said it's sixty-eight percent. So I'm like, okay, what about the other thirty-two percent? That's a lot of people. Well, how about if you look at it this way? They're a hundred percent successful. The individuals who choose to walk away uh, shouldn't be part of a statistic because, like I said, when something was put in my path, it wasn't an enabler. It was either, They were successful at what they were trying to do, the message that they were trying to give me. I failed that message. So I, I don't want to say that drug court is 100% successful. It absolutely isn't. But the message and the means that they're giving and putting out there are and it's the individual addict or the individual person that fails that system. It has nothing to yeah. do with the system well, itself. It's the individual that fails that system. Like with like with your facility, Cindy. You know, if if somebody asked you what your success rate was, you would probably say, our message is 100% successful. Not everybody chooses yep. to use it. I don't know how many dead seeds I had in my head before one finally got planted that started to grow. Well, what we do here, we have over 40%, but um, the ones who AMA, they're included mm-hmm. in the ones that we didn't help, even though they never got to finish the program. We're right, kind right. of looking to see how many actually finish the program that are still clean. But I can tell you one thing. Our alumni, we're open up two years here. A lot of people mm-hmm. come from different parts of the country, but active in our alumni right here in this little town is over 1,500. Wow. Nice. That's, that's, nice. That's, yeah. That's, 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 that is yeah. amazing. So, so you don't even put it. You don't even put it. That's why I'm sharing yeah. that because I just talked to my head alumni person. I said, what do you have coming to the meetings and in the events and everything that you're doing now? About 500? She said, no. Yeah. About 1,500 of us. I'm like, oh, God, it's good. <laughs> yeah, well, you can, and at that point, you can pretty much forego a percentage and use a body count 
You know what I mean? So so we right. have a couple of minutes left. Why don't you share a little bit about uh, what your program is, where it's located, how people can get in touch with you, because we haven't even touched on that yet. We brought you in as just a random caller, and I did want to have you on as a guest to share your uh, your organization. But, um, you know, share well, on out. What we, what we do, and most of our clients will say, that have been in multiple rehabs, is that they know the difference because they really know that we care. And that's an important ingredient here. And I'm speaking because I am a recovering addict, not an owner of a a rehab. Um, You know, some of us are harder than others, you know. And like you said, Ray, it took a long time for you to finally surrender. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we never leave our wounded behind. We always are there for them. And we do have a rule, though. You come in twice, and then you have to wait another year because we're not about the the insurance cards and the card blanche stuff. If we can't help you, somewhere else might, you know. But um, And people know that, so they kind of try to stick to the program. But uh, our program is just, you know, you come in, you get detox. Uh, We do use Subutex for detox, depending on what we're detoxing, you know, and, and how many days and how bad the person was. From there, they get a buddy out of residential that comes up and talks to them every day, and they get appointed a counselor in detox that's just going to be their counselor when they drop down to the residential program. So they already have a rapport, and they always they already feel as part of something. So if we, they don't run men, we get them down to residential, and they always feel as part of the whole Just Believe family. And they okay, so do me, a, do me a favor. Do me a favor. We have two minutes left. Share the name of your facility and how people can reach out to you if they need anything. The name of our facility is Just Believe Recovery Centers, and the number you can call would be 877-813-9235, and you can talk to uh, someone there if you or your loved one needs help, and we'll see what we can do to get you in and get you the help that you're looking for. Awesome. Thanks for calling in, Cindy. I, I really appreciate you uh, coming in and sharing your experience. And um, we will definitely have you on a show where we can focus on what your facilities bring. You have one in Pennsylvania and one in Florida, correct? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And I'll be home in Florida next uh, within the next couple of weeks. Ray, I'll give you a call. We'll have coffee. Okay, awesome. Awesome. It was great talking to you. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you. Thank you. you. Stay blessed. Well, folks, we have about a minute left. That show went by like Zoom. So, you know, all I want to say is, you know, phone lines are open. Cindy didn't get her nose bit off by calling in 866-472-5792. If you have a different opinion than the one that you hear, that's okay. Call in and share it. I we, we will not argue. We will not we we want everyone to share what it is that they think because you know something? I didn't get to where I am because I know everything. I absolutely know nothing. This everything that I have that I comes out of my mouth is an original thought it's not an original thought it was told to me through my program of recovery so i'm still learning as i go just because i have the time that i have doesn't mean that i'm the know-all be-all if you think something else by all means share it with me and maybe i might go "Uh, hey i should have had a v8 well that's about all we have time for this week on uh, on our show so thank you for calling in ellen and i hope that your move is complete by next week 
Well, me too. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Good night, everybody. And night, as always, Lord. as always, with miracles and recovery, hope is in your corner. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.